Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 64, Take 2, covering Conspiracy and the Neutral Zone. Hi, friends. We are once again correcting some historical wrongs. Mm-hmm. You'll notice, case, for example, that I do not have the flu this week. Yeah, you're you're here. You're live. We're we're talking together in real time. Yep. Hello. The last time uh, we covered this pair of episodes so many years ago, mm-hmm. uh, you were you were the sickest of sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't make it. You did. You did watch the episodes. You did take notes. I actually looked at the old document. So like, I believe I recorded just... and sent in a summary. Yes, you wrote and recorded a summary. Correct. But I'm saying did you didn't. Fr- I did it from bed, but uh, you didn't. You didn't just like uh, read memory alpha and then regurgitate a summary. Is what I'm saying. Like you clearly. Oh God, had who had that kind it. of time? I well, I don't know. I've definitely thought about it once or twice in the depths of Voyager and Enterprise. This is a next gen episode. They got f- they got full summaries for every single one of these episodes. Uh all but one. Do you not remember writing about Chief O'Brien and Barkley and werewolves? Oh yeah, that's right. That was a bad episode. You did not summarize that episode. You summarized what you wished happened. I mentioned what happened in this show. I'm pretty uh, sure there's does... a one-sentence line about, meanwhile, Captain Picard did this. Also, it doesn't matter because we have written episode guides. We have done videos. Like, we've we've gone through original series and next gen so many times. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it again. I don't know why. Yeah. Mostly because we have time to kill before Discovery. Like, I don't think this was weighing on you the same way that... Uh, that the man trap was. I mean, you know, if you'd asked me, yeah, I should probably do that at some point. But uh, if if whatever. I was if I was the kind of jerk I might have been eight years ago, I would hold it over you, like, hey, Matt, how's it feel to have almost been on every episode of your own podcast? I would have said, but, uh, fine, but I'm not that guy anymore. Yeah, I'm a better person now. Yeah, <laughs> now I make you feel bad in a lot of little ways instead instead of one big way. Yeah, microaggressions is what it's all about. <laughs> Don't don't go over the one big aggression. It's like it's like the way cell phone games work now. Yeah, micro payments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course it's a free game. Now uh-huh. give us five dollars so you can be Captain Marvel. <laughs> of course it's a free game, but you got to earn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I basically again, we probably never would have even revisited these if we didn't have a very awkward amount of time to kill mm-hmm. before new episodes are coming out. But uh, we do, and it is it is. Would you say it's interesting, sort of? Revisiting a handful of just almost randomly, I mean, we picked them for a reason, but yeah, almost at random, like, selections of episodes, like, huh, I feel differently about this eight years later. I've been enjoying jumping around a bit, you know, we have early original series, and then we go right to the end of DS9, and then we go right back to the beginning of original series. Yeah, my my initial thought as I was drawing up the schedule was we'll do these chronologically, we'll mm-hmm. start with the earliest ones, and we'll end with probably the DS9 finale, but then... Uh, there were some scheduling things yeah, we, we wanted to have Gav on. on and, yeah, exactly. And uh, Flonk actually will be joining us for an upcoming pair of original series episodes because nice. he's like, I I was not a regular guest at that point, and I'd like a chance to you know talk about those guys. No, so, I went back like yeah, sure. I I look back and it's like Flonk doesn't show up until fucking the animated series or something. Well, we didn't we didn't hit on the idea of having a regular rotation of guests. Yeah. until early next gen. But I mean, I, I'm thinking I'm sitting there. I'm like, wait a minute, it's Flonk. <laughs> He also had some serious uh, mic difficulties that early is, on. That now that is true. Yeah. So, I, and and to this day, to be clear, mm-hmm. but 
they, they've gotten a little better and I've gotten a little better at correcting for them. So we've met in the middle somewhere. Mm. But uh, oh, also one point of clarification. So last week uh, we had we had Irish Gav on to read a poem for the DS9 finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt went back and listened to the original pass on that. And apparently Irish Gav had already done that once. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was I, I didn't remember this. You didn't remember this, which is very embarrassing for us. He didn't remember it either, though. So I feel a little better about that. Uh-huh. I thought he was just being polite and saying, oh, well, you asked me to write a, another poem. I guess I'll just write another poem. But no, he, he had no memory of that. Yeah. So so there are now two DS9 poems mm-hmm. by Irish Gab. I, I I still don't really remember the first one, but I will say the, the second one was probably the best one he's done. I, I can say, having listened to both of them, it is, the new one is better. Like, yeah. So good. So like us, he had a chance to go back and, and get something right. So. But I was, I was listening to it last week at work because I was bored, and then it finished, and... Like, I'll listen to the old ones, see how that went. And mm-hmm. it's like, he starts reading his poem. It's like, ah, and Irish Gav, we got a recording from Irish Gav of the poem he was supposed to read. I'm like, oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh. No, and I I felt real bad, but I, I mean, I went back to our notes and there wasn't anything in there. Yeah, Because no. I guess he produced it independently, so. Yeah. No, I, I felt bad until he said, I, I don't remember doing that. All right, well. So, I still feel a little bad for the extra effort, because Gavs are all about not making effort, mm-hmm. but. You know. Well, thanks think, for the extra poem, Gav. We appreciate it. Yeah, we definitely do. Now we have now we have enough for a bound volume. Mm-hmm. I assume. Ooh, that's, coffee table book of that uh, sounds fancy, doesn't it? Just some gold gets some, like some gold uh, edging to the pages and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Irish Gav's big book of Star Trek poems. Mm-hmm. Maybe put a print of him on the cover embossed. <laughs> of him? Uh huh. We're, we're like wearing a Star the... Trek uniform, but uh, yeah. Oh, okay, a Star Trek uniform, but also a professor's blazer with um, with patches on the elbows? Yeah, of course. It'll, yeah. It would be like a variation on the uh, Picard uh, smoking jacket. Yeah, exactly. But again, with patches on the elbows, maybe a pipe. And a forward by, by uh, Smloun. Yes, but Smloun would be holding the um, Cocker Spaniel that was in the uh, MST3K episode guide. Yep. I don't know how that would work. Which I think is a Dean Koontz reference. I uh, could be. I don't Dean know. Dean Koontz We're... in all of his uh, uh, author by or author pictures is with his dog, mm-hmm. who is a cocker spaniel. Well, in the MST3K, what is it? Amazing colossal episode, episode guide. guide which, yep. Which is one of those weird, very specific pieces of pop culture that Matt and I obsessed over and bonded over way back in the day. You remember when we were becoming friends and we realized we liked each other because I asked you whether season seven? Yeah, between that and then the dumb Star Trek reference, like we we love reading books about things we like. Yeah, it's just like that's okay. We'll probably work together well. I I get this guy. Uh Yeah. But yeah, in in that, every single person who contributed to the book has a picture with the same dog, Mm -hmm. which, I don't know, makes me laugh. All right. I think we've been stalling long enough. It's because season one of Next Gen is uh, not very good. Not at all. I I think you liked these better than I did. I liked the the first one better than you did. I think you liked the second one better than I did. Well, that'll that'll make for a lively discussion, which we would have been terrified to do seven years ago. Sure. But also- Why do you think I got sick? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I like this one. I hated it. Oh, I don't want to get in a fight. Oh God, I'm sick now. Uh <laughs> Yeah. No, it's 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 interesting to me, and we'll talk about this more as we get into it. But um back in the day, these were definitely, would you say, the two best episodes of Next Gen Season One? I would say that, yes. Uh, but that still doesn't make them good. No, that's just the shiniest turd in the turd bowl. Yeah, it's valedictorian of summer school. Uh-huh. And like 
I at the time it was like Stockholm syndrome. It was like these are pretty okay, and g- dropping right back into it after Discovery, which is up and down, but still at least made like a modern show. Mm-hmm. And then the DS Nine finale, and then it's like oh, but then there's oh, there's this. I can definitely see thirteen year old me who I would not have been thirteen when Conspiracy aired. No, I would have been actually. <laughs> yeah, but I can definitely see thirteen year old me loving this episode because it was violent and uh. Well, it's got bug monsters. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about. It. Why don't you Why don't you tell us what happens in, it? in conspire in con, cons conspiracy? That's um in in Monkey Island. There's it's a completely text based joke that when they went back and put voices in it would have been ruined because mm. the dude says the worst sort of piracy is conspiracy, <laughs> which I loved. All right, take it away. All right, so the Enterprise D and her shockingly young-looking crew are headed for Aquarius, the aquarium and hippie planet, where when Captain Kirk... Captain Kirk, Jesus Christ. When Captain Picard gets an urgent message from his old pal Walker, Texas captain, to meet in (laughs) World 8, Bowser's Castle. No time for merpeace, Nick's Enterprise crew. There's trouble, and it starts with T, and that rhymes with C, and that means conspiracy. (laughs) Walker tells Picard that there are unusual things happening within the highest ranks of Starfleet, and it's a cause for alarm. The urgency of this is punctuated when Walker's ship mysteriously explodes. Ships do not usually do that, Captain, says Data, before comically listing things for 47 minutes. Confused and irritated, Picard takes the Enterprise back to Earth for some sleuthing. Upon arriving, he's met by some very overly friendly admirals. Well, that's not right, says Picard. Usually admirals are jerks. I have to bribe with tea. Something's going on here. While Picard beams downstairs to talk to the admirals, an old admiral beams up to take a tour of the Enterprise and ogle all the crew members in skirts while we still have them. Then he gets bored with all of this subtlety and throws Riker and Worf at a table. He's only stopped when Bever shoots him about 80 times. A quick trip to the medical lab reveals that the admiral is possessed by by some sort of alien parasite that looks like a Ninja Turtles toy I used to own. Meanwhile, back downstairs, Picard is also suspecting that something is up when all of the admirals start eating worms and bragging about their awesome new conspiracy that they all have. They are still more subtle than the Zindi ever were. (laughs) Riker shows up pretending to be possessed, but he refuses to eat bait for the greater good, so he and Picard just start shooting people. Then they track the alien to some David Hyde Pierce-looking motherfucker whose face they shoot off and whose torso they explode in the most nauseating scene to ever appear in Star Trek until Captain Archer squints his way into the show. Uh, it's hilarious. The alien monster murdered, Picard and Riker return to the ship to discover that the aliens have sent out a signal to their home planet about Earth's location. This will lead to literally nothing. Yeah, let's this this would be a good time to play your quote, because your quote ties into the very yes, end. Of the episode, yes, my terrifying spooky quote. I actually, that actually worked for me. I actually oh, yeah. thought that was cool. It would have been cool if we didn't have the foreknowledge of, you know, 12 additional years in this Star Trek setting where nothing happens. Absolutely. But, yeah, whatever. Uh, I mean, we have the we have this cool idea for, like, uh, uh, evil race that take over people and possess them and, like, are trying to take over the Federation. Uh, we'll do that better on DS9, I think. But also... I, I, actually, someone suggested that we watch this and then also the uh, Homefront, the um, mm. the two-parter with the Changelings on Earth, and do a compare and contrast. I think that would be a good idea for episodes, but we're not doing that. Yeah. We're, we're just fixing our own mistakes. We're not, we're not doing anything fancy or, mm-hmm. you know, like clever. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, 
I, an interesting thing that I read was that um, uh, in a couple of expanded universe stuff, you know, like non-canon, yeah, like, of uh, novels or comics or whatever, might have been the the game Star Trek Online. Uh, these aliens are connected to the Trill. Oh, that's interesting. As like uh, the way I read it was, they would be sort of the Romulans to the Trill's Vulcans. Like they they split off and became evil. That's not a terrible idea. Yeah, because they're bug guys that crawl inside people and control them. Mm-hmm. Instead of slug and, guys that crawl inside people and sort of live there. Yeah, but also the the look just could have changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, with the Trill, it's a, it's a whole peaceful coexistence thing. It's a symbiotic thing. But with these guys, it'd be more hostile. That's mm-hmm. that's not a bad take no, on it. No, that's good. I like that. Yeah, That's better than the other one I heard, which was that they were linked to the Borg somehow. Well... What I I don't know that there's anything in fiction about that. You you may know something I don't know about. That, I but. don't. I I just remember hearing that a long time ago, and now it's what it's one of those pieces of information that I remember, but have no idea why I know it. It's a behind the scenes thing, is what I know. Mm. Which is originally they had conceived the Borg as insect guys. Oh, okay. The idea turned into something different, which was independent of this idea. They abandoned this idea and mm. went with the Borg instead. That way, uh, seven and nine turns into a giant scorpion in that terrible comic I read. Uh, was the comic called Scorpion? Because there was already a Voyager episode called Scorpion. Uh, no, it was called Hive, and it was written by Brandon Braga. It was exactly oh. as good as you expect. Well, I think if I remember that one correctly, I didn't read it, but I remember its Nor existence. You. It's it's probably like his leftover, we didn't get to this on Voyager in the back of his notebook. We couldn't afford know. to turn Seven into a Scorpion on the show. Yeah. Now, I seem to remember, and I don't have anything in front of me handy, but I'm sure people know this, and it's also in that uh, 50-year mission book and, mm. and a bunch of other places. They originally conceived the Borg being way more, like, insect-like in, in appearance. Like, they were going to look like, I don't know, grasshoppers or something. That's Ants, cool. Maybe. Uh, probably hard to do on a budget. Yeah, that, I think yeah. that's why they abandoned that and went with the, you know, people with shit taped to them. Uh, cyborg zombies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, visually, just people with shit taped to them. Sure. And babies with shit taped on them. Well, they're people, too, Matt. <laughs> Babies are people. I mean, you I know guess. That. You were a baby once. Mm. I, I, I know for a fact you don't have any proof of that. Uh, well, that's true. I can extrapolate, though. Mm-hmm. I picture just you only tiny. Like, you look the same. You have stubble and, and you know, your big curly hair and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But glasses. But you're a baby. Mm-hmm. It's nice but- that you no longer have reason to visit my mom's house. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> If I did that, I'd be distracted by the dogs anyway. Uh, that is also true. Dogs? Dog? I don't know. Anyway. No, no, dogs. Okay, that's what I thought. Big, stupid dogs. Okay. Beautiful, stupid dogs. They are. Yeah. Speaking of stupid, this uh-huh. episode. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of dumb, and and really, let's do our bad things. Like You do yours, and then I'll yeah, do yeah. mine right away, because they kind of tie in, but they're different aspects of the same thing. So, yeah, so none of this ever amounts to anything. Like, we don't even know what these a- these aliens' names are, and they never come back. Like like I mentioned before, we're going to tackle moles in the Federation in DS9, and it'll be way better. But we never deal with these horrible monsters again, and I will miss them, because they're disgusting. And it's honestly, like something as, from it's like something from Beetlejuice got into it. Got into my Star Trek episode. Well, that's that's because of the weird uh, claymation parts. Yeah, I love it. I thought were cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they looked a little stupid. But on the I, other hand, I always give Star Trek like you. You automatically get plus points for trying something different that isn't just a guy with bumpy head. I like you know claymation in live action stuff is a is an art that we have lost, and I love it. I I mean it looks 
janky as hell. That's why I love it. Like, but it's also it also gives you much more freedom to design whatever you want instead of something someone has to wear. So watching you know. watching like the little spider monster crawl up fucking David Hyde Pierce's leg. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's weird. I didn't look for the name David Hyde Pierce when I opened the document, but I was like, huh, you used the name Niles like 7,000 times before. It's weird you didn't go that route this time. It's just you opted to call him David Hyde Pierce mm-hmm. instead. Well, I mean, we're now like nine years away from when I used to watch Frasier regularly. Mm, fair enough. Um, But I, I, the, the weird thing to me is, yeah, they never came back, which, eh, whatever. But this would have been the perfect thing. We complained a lot in Voyager about them bringing back stuff from the other series too much. But mm-hmm. this would have been the perfect thing for Voyager. That would have been great now that you mention it. They sent a signal to all data says is an unexplored part of our galaxy. Mm-hmm. Could very easily have been the Delta Quadrant. That, yeah. There's two whole quadrants that we. Uh... Yeah. And DS9 deals with one and we already got enough over there. Yeah. This could have been something they dealt with over there instead of the Kazon. And I mean, one of the things I like about this episode is like. It's 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 trying. Yeah, it is. It's not. This it, is very different from the twenty four episodes that precede it by far. It's weird and goofy, but God, God, is it trying to be to be something else? Like it really it feels like like someone came in and just like, all right, let's give let's uh, let's try let's try something different for this show. And it it felt way different. Like so many of the preceding episodes, all of season one. Like these are the last two of season one. So the twenty four episodes before are clearly trying to be like the original series but also trying not to be like the original series and just not finding the right balance and this was something new early tng was walking this weird line where it's like we want to be star trek but we're not yeah we're we're also trying that star trek we're also trying to be better than old star trek like look how classy our sets are and everything well and all the smug future man stuff which was way overcorrecting. yeah oh god we'll get into that in the next episode yeah we absolutely that yeah, no, that was that was a huge complaint for us throughout season one and maybe even season two before they dialed it back a bit, mm-hmm. which is like indignant Picard giving speeches is good to a certain extent, but telling everyone how much better humans are and how they've gotten better constantly is just like, ugh. Oh, God, fucking old humans were... My Picard's turning into Sean Connery, and I'm not entirely not okay with that, but... Uh... No, there, there, there's some similarity there. They're, they sound nothing alike in real life. But, no, but impressions of them definitely tend to cross over into each other. <clears throat> I'm Captain Picard. There we go. There, I didn't know who you were doing before you did that. But it, it, it is very different. Um, it's that doesn't necessarily make it good to me though. Mm. I, what bugs me, and this, this ties into what Matt says. Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, but it also comes from out of nowhere. Yeah, like we just. <laughs> They dug these guys up on a planet like they literally dug them out of a hole. Yeah, I don't like I, 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 well, there's that. I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that some starship somewhere was doing an archaeological dig or, or just a, 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 you know, a planet survey or whatever and got possessed by these guys. That's fine. Mm. That's that's how a lot. I mean, you know, way more than I do how your typical alien type knockoff story starts. Mm-hmm. You're poking yeah, around where right. you don't belong and, an, and a monster grabs onto you. That's yeah. like. That's the plot of Alien. Mm-hmm. No, you get it. Yeah, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. It's the story-wise, like, there's so much tell-don't-show. Mm-hmm. There's so much. The first 10 minutes of the episode are Picard's old friend, who actually, I like the actor. Like, it's too bad they killed him off real quick. Cause... Yeah, he would have been an interest, and, and his connection to Bever, too, would have made him Yeah, there, there's character. there's some talk of the old days where yeah. he and Picard and Jack and Bever were all friends together. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting. I wonder what Picard gets up to, got up to, you know, 
in his younger days. Yeah. But also, he had that gravitas that I really like a good captain to have, mm-hmm. that this isn't just an old person you put in a uniform. He he's He feels not quite as good as Patrick Stewart, but close. Like, you really buy him being in charge of people. Yeah. And I like that. He had a very nice commanding voice and all that. But anyway, this guy shows up from out of nowhere, and the first 10 minutes is him saying... Switch to a secure channel. No more secure than that. No, I can't tell you. No, let's go to a secret cave You're because the secure, secure channel enough. is not secret. And like it's so much building and building and building. And then there's uh, like there's a conspiracy. And then he blows up off screen. Yep. Like for all of this to work for this deeply embedded conspiracy at the top of Starfleet in Starfleet Command and on Earth. Mm-hmm. It would really have, like, you'd have to see some hint of it. Some, like, we're meant to believe that Starfleet's been giving weird orders for months and everything's in disarray and ships are being lost, but the show wasn't serialized, so they couldn't do any of that work. No, we just hear about it, like, second We just get dropped basically. into the middle of it. Suddenly, everyone is acting different. And when DS9 would do this years later, it's like, we got a bit of that. We got yeah. some of the paranoia, and we got, like, we had even the, the Changeling show up at the beginning of all that mm-hmm. and say you're too late, we're everywhere. Like, yeah. you already know to look for them. But here, it's just, uh, hey, everyone's been weird the whole time. Yeah, well... Have, have they? Um, I was. I looked around a little bit on Memory Alpha, and first of all, this episode got cut down like crazy because Gene hated it. Yeah, I heard about that, but I also heard he got overridden by Berman, of all people. Yeah, Berman and a couple other guys really fought for it, but it was originally, yeah. uh, it was supposed to be... Uh, not there were no aliens. It was literally just supposed to be a coup within start within uh, Starfleet. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of what ended up being in Star Trek Six, which ha- hadn't happened yet. Yeah. so and, it was their idea first. Uh, and Gene just lost his shit. Apparently, yeah. Well, yeah, he was he was still well enough and involved enough that mm-hmm. he could you know make a big deal out of it. But he had also I think signed away a lot of his power. Yep. So other people could override him, and that's what happened. And one of the rare. Rick Berman good decisions was like why don't we try something different with yeah. this show come on which is not a sentence that guy said very often but you know good that he spoke up in this case yeah we're not doing anything do- new or different <laughs> what if we had a guy's ribcage explode yeah also we need shorter skirts I think <laughs> Rick Rick Berman in my head is just um Don DeMillo yeah right <laughs> the girls <laughs> the, gir- the girl the thing of the girls yeah Pretty much just uh-huh. uh But, I mean, again, it's a big idea, and it doesn't feel earned. It feels no. like suddenly Starfleet is crawling with guys, and, no, oh, they're gone now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all done in one, and it feels like it should be much bigger. And I know TV didn't work like that back then, but if yeah. you're going to try to tell a story like this, there's ways to cut corners and fake it, and they yeah. didn't do that. Well, it's it's, uh, it's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But, yeah, uh, not, but Invasion of the Body Snatchers well. is a feature-length film. Yeah. That gives you some time to get to know the way things are supposed to work and then see that they're working differently. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have that. And if they hadn't spent so much time with Picard getting a phone call. Yeah, seriously. Like, seriously. I'm not kidding. The whole first act. Yes, this is Captain Picard. Is him entering his password and then entering another password it, and then waiting for the guy to say, I can't talk to you here. Is my what running? Like, he could have just, we could have just dropped into the cave thing and backtracked real quick. Yeah, totally. And then you would have had more time to fill in this stuff. Also, mm-hmm. you don't even see the ships that they're on, and I get that's probably a cost-cutting thing. Yeah. Like, the budget of this episode clearly went to all the effects at the end. Yeah. But we don't see the ships that they're on. We don't see the ship that gets exploded. Like, 
I, a lot of stuff happens that we don't get to see. It, it feels like they're trying to build suspense and it's not working. Yeah. And a lot of, like, there's very slow pacing in this. Yeah. And that's what I had a lot of problem with is because I think they think they're being suspenseful, but it's just being slow. Well, they're, it's, they're so clearly trying to be like, oh, Captain Picard's really worried. And there's like, he won't tell the crew what's happening. And he's like, yeah. he's, he's upset but okay. and he's making weird decisions. He, even at this point in Star Trek history, how many times have we seen that episode already? It's mm -hmm. already a cliche. Yeah. But like, and it's just, it's not coming together. No, it's not. Which is unfortunate. Again. Decent idea. Mm -hmm. Some of it's put together very well. The effects are definitely, for 1988 on television, some of the best things you probably would see. Yeah. To this point in Star Trek, probably the best stuff you'll see in Star Trek. It's also like shockingly violent for 1988. Well, you you love that. I do. It's the your good it's my good thing. Yeah. It's. I mean, so go, let's go through specifically what you get to see. You get to see these these uh, bug aliens crawl into someone's mouth. Yep. And the, then they got the weird thing that. sticking out of the neck, like the little antenna or whatever. Yeah, which is a nice little tell. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it's, it's kind Rik of subtle because Riker's, you can hide it easily enough. Riker's fake one looks so fucking fake. Well, yeah. It's just like, it, I'm shocked the aliens didn't like, hey, wait a minute. You just stuck a <laughs> pipe cleaner in your neck. They seem pretty stupid, though. They are, they're very stupid. Yeah. Their plan I mean, isn't good, and they're very stupid. Their plan, like... To get Picard in a room and shock him by eating gross bugs for dinner mm -hmm. and then take him over? Why? I, apparently these aliens love theatricality. They say that. They literally say, mm -hmm. this is something we have in common is we both like melodrama. Uh-huh. Like, That's not the best way to run an empire, but uh, who am I to judge evil alien oh, bugs? I don't know. The Klingons have done a pretty good job of it. <laughs> That's true. If there's if there's any race in the entire fucking Alpha Quadrant, if not the whole fucking galaxy, that are drama queens. I mean, they they sing songs about everything. So, yeah, just they're, they're the biggest drama queens, mm -hmm. and uh, you know all that stuff in disco did not reduce that. No, those dumb outfits and all their ridiculous plans and if anything they got more Shakespearean or Elizabethan yeah, exactly. anyway. No, I no no no. I don't even think that. I think like. Broadway Ian. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, the Cleveland uh, Empire presents the Music Man. I mean, you already made that reference, but I suppose the, that's true. I do know yeah. more musicals. I just can't think of any right now. I'm thinking, and Man. and you know, Brian would be the the go to for this. I'm sure he's screaming at his iPod right now. Yeah, probably. But I'm, you know, I mean, Gilbert and Sullivan, that kind of thing. Uh huh. Uh, anyway, um. My good thing. Yes. This is extremely rare for this era of Star Trek. Deanna was actually kind of useful in this one. She is. She's uh, she's actually pretty good in the next one, too. I was shocked. Yeah. Uh, less so. More in this one, I would mm -hmm. say. Picard actually uses her not just as his weird fucking metal detector for feelings, but as a trusted confidant and someone who has her shit together. Like, he's 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 got the burden of this, like, big secret, and he can't tell the crew. But he's got to talk to someone. And I like that it's her. Mm -hmm. It could be Riker, but it's her. And yeah. I like that. I and like In future, hey, it will be Riker or Data yeah. or someone more popular. But uh, Yeah, which is too bad because it's a good role for her. Because, yeah, yeah she is the ship's counselor. But also, uh, by virtue of that, she understands human psychology. Mm -hmm. These people are acting weird. Don't you think these people are acting weird? You I, would know. You're a mental health professional. I do think they're acting weird. Yeah. Oh, you've got to get that accent under control, girl. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> Where am I from? But also, <laughs> Bond? I hate all Star Trek that's not in the next generation. 
How betazoid am I? <laughs> but she's the first one he tells about this dumb conspiracy theory, and she very sensibly says, well, that sounds stupid. <laughs> like, she ends up being wrong, but that's not her fault. It really did sound stupid. <laughs> Like let me, get, let I, me see if I've got this straight. A bunch of worm-eating aliens have possessed everybody in Starfleet, and now they're all mad at each other. Yes, that's about it. That's, that's, that's what Walker told me, and now he's dead. Well, that's stupid. It's, you know, again, she ends up being wrong, but mm -hmm. I was completely with her at that point. Yeah. Like, this, Captain, you're talking nonsense. Mm -hmm. You're in charge of the most important ship. Get your shit together, man. <laughs> yeah. Sounds um, like I've gone crazy. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? This was this was a weird one. It was, you know, it's very atypical. Like, I can't think of another next-gen episode or maybe any of the series episodes is quite like this. Mm -hmm. Which I think is probably what you like about it. I it mean, feels like... there's an exploded torso in this episode. But it also feels like, and, and I say this in, in the best possible way, a cheap-ass horror film from the late 80s. Oh, absolutely. There's like a there's I don't know, maybe like Evil Dead or you you would know more specifically. Yeah, no, uh, it's but... the some of those effects are definitely uh, some that's there's definitely some low level Evil Dead shit happening in it, this. It's not just the effect. There's definitely the effects, but the, the way it's shot or like a the sweaty way it's the lit, thing puppet. Yeah, like there's there's definitely some like a lot of movies I watched on VHS in 1988 that I watched because I don't know. Let's watch something gross. But yeah, that weren't actually any good. Mm -hmm. No. You know. No, I love it, man. I fucking clap my hands at this shit. Yeah. I mean, and this he is one of the- exploded the fuck out of that guy. Yeah, they did. I mean, that was- On a that, show that it, aired at like eight on, an, on a Thursday. It- I, What I don't like about that scene, there's, there's something I- It just- It was so out of- Like, they don't go remotely that gory, usually. Star Trek isn't a gory show. Like, the worst- No, I mean, Disco's had its skeletons. moments. Yeah. But it, it it was weird because, like, okay, they they phasered a guy. That happens sometimes. Yeah. But we never get this level of, of detail. What, His face where did this fell come off. From? Yeah. Like, we and see the- And then exploded. Yeah. No, and they put a lot of work into it. It looked very good, mm -hmm. but it didn't feel like this show to me. Like, and I don't, I'm not saying, oh, it doesn't feel like Star Trek. Star Trek can be whatever the hell it wants to yeah, be. Yeah, of course. But I'm saying this show had an established style, mm -hmm. and it, it was so different from anything else. Not necessarily in a good in a way that blended, I think. Yeah, no, fucking kids watch this show. I know this yeah. because I had the toys. No, I'm not even talking about it being inappropriate. There's also that. It is. Yeah, but also it it just like stylistically didn't fit. Uh huh. It just didn't feel like the same show. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And you know, it's weird. Mm. But all right. Uh, any anything else about this one? Uh, let me just take a quick look at my notes. Oh. There's this the scene where um the scene where they're eating that where they're all eating the worms and and watching Picard. All I could think of was that scene from uh, What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> Please, Captain, eat your basketti. Oh yes. Also, Very your good. cock is now a snake, which apparently is from the Lost Boys. Uh, I saw the Lost Boys once in high school. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I know uh, more about I know more about it from that Simpsons episode. It's probably the best Joel Schumacher movie, but. You know. And it's got 24 in it, so. Yeah, but, I mean, every movie back then had, like, they called them the Brat Pack. There were, like, ten kids that were in everything. Oh, that's true. So, you know. that Him and Emilio Estevez. Yeah, exactly. The the Young Guns guys. Yeah. All right. Anything else? 
Um, no. Then let's move on to the neutral zone. Yes, please the tell me about zone. it. The neutral zone. The Enterprise encounters a circa 20th century spacecraft filled with cryonically preserved bodies, and since that went so well last time it happened, Data rushes over to investigate like a kid on Christmas morning, like a dog greeting its owner when they return home from work. Like a... Uh, sorry, I wanted to convey how irritating season one Data was, but I kind of turned into the thing I was making fun of. Since frozen past people could be dangerous, Data also brings Ward. Word, word, W-O-R-F. God damn it! <laughs> Thought those days were finally behind me! Turns out only three of those people from the past survived. Well, they're, they're dead, but they were frozen in time to save them, and Data has this wacky thought along the lines of, why don't we revive them, since there's a chance they could still live healthy lives with our future technology. Riker could not be less interested, and Picard, frankly, seems actively devoted to dethawing them just so he can murder them again. The production of this episode was interrupted by the infamous Hollywood writer strike of 1988, so I can only assume that TNG scripts were roughed out by one writer and then another writer would go back and insert things like compassion and acting in character. <laughs> That's the only plausible explanation for Picard's irritation at Data wanting to save lives. In his defense, some shit is going down at the titular neutral zone, and he doesn't have time for some bullshit throwbacks from the stupid ages. And speaking of, let's meet our bullshit throwbacks from the stupid ages. There's Claire Raymond, a housewife and mother whose only concerns are her house, being a wife, and being a mother. <laughs> There's LQ Sonny Clemens, a goofy-ass southern gentleman who plays guitar and is also rich, so I assume he must have been a celebrity? Possibly the most famous country singer who ever lived, as far as I know? Or, ooh, maybe he's actually a hard rock star pulling a reverse Chris Gaines. S somebody will get that. Yeah, you're talking to him. <laughs> Then there's the third defrosted past sickle, a.k.a. the greatest guest character ever to appear on TNG. And yes, I remember Q, Lal, Grappler Zorn, uh, Armis, Jack London, Mr. Mott, Guinan, Cedo Jaxa, and Stephen Hawking. This guy's better than all of those characters combined, because get this, he's rich. <laughs> Meet Reginald Moneybags J. Wealthington IV III, <laughs> a go-go Wall Street type who immediately begins to trying to bribe the captain, call his broker, and locate the Enterprise's youth center so he can shut it down. <laughs> I was so delighted by this character because I could not remember someone who was such a cartoonishly evil capitalist existing in fiction or real life. But then I remembered one and got real sad. <clears throat> Moving on! Eventually, Picard decides to send all three of these idiots back to Earth via the slowest means possible, which that rich guy completely deserves, and I'm sure fake Trip will have some fun along the way. But it seems kind of needlessly cruel to do that to poor Claire. Picard was probably distracted, though, because of some other thing that was also happening in this episode, but I'll be damned if I can remember what it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, mean, I love the fourth, the third joke so much, and I feel like we sh I feel like I should have heard it years ago. Oh, you and I have made that joke several times before. <laughs> That's a good fucking joke. Seriously, this guy was like capitalist Dracula. That's what I latched onto this time. He yep. was so dumb. <laughs> Captain, I'm a very important man, and I must have my giant cell phone that weighs 50 pounds. I don't think you understand quite how important I am, Captain. Looks at the name tag. P-card. <laughs> now, a military I... man typically is not very uh, considered upwardly mobile. That's a real line, by the way. I'm the richest and therefore most important person on board the SS Minnow. Why? Okay, I was going to say, why does he sound like Jerry Seinfeld? But I, I see it's what supposed you're to be Jim Backus, but. Uh... Well, I, I get it. You're just going to you gotta go a little lower, you see. <laughs> when you go again. high like that, it's Seinfeld, but uh, lovely. <laughs> you know. 
No, he 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 had sort of a sinister. Like he absolutely was the villain in some shitty direct-to-video. I, I mean, he was the bad guy from UHF. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. That like the the, the same the capitalist like. Oh, the okay. The character was, but not the, the actor not wasn't. the actor. Okay. That would have been yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he had a like a freaking widow's peak, and yep. he just he was like tall and thin, and like visually, he would have made a good like veterinary. Yeah. Or like a, you know, somebody who's got kind of a vampire quality to them and is just kind of evil looking. Mm -hmm. But he was just so cartoon. I mean, I'm not making this up. He tries to bribe the captain. Uh huh. He won't get off the radio because he's an important man, even though apparently they work on the honor system. Would $30 change your mind, Captain? Yeah. That's a lot of money back in my time. (laughs) No, it isn't. Even I know that. These these dollars have pictures of you on them. <laughs> Those are my rich guy fun bucks. Yeah, it's it's so like it's it's like the way we liked Grappler Zorn. Yep, it wasn't a good character, but something hit me just the right way. I I mean I think in the way I think uh, you like this guy in the way I liked the redneck guitar player guy. Oh no, see that guy's supposed to be delightful <laughs> because they do they do that thing and they usually failed at this, but they did it well here. Where you pair data up with someone who data just does not understand at mm-hmm. all. And it can be funny if you do it right. And I think this is one of those times where it was done right. That dude had a huge crush on data. Yeah, I could see that. I think he just, like, he saw, he, this is the only guy who might be able to help me have some fun. Only because mm-hmm. he didn't talk to Riker for more than eight seconds. Yeah, or probably. That would have been the guy. Everyone was too, everyone, if everyone wasn't too busy with whatever the fuck was going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> they would have had a grand old time with these guys. Oh, but that guy was your good thing, right? Yeah, I love him. Uh, Sonny yeah. the red- redneck guitar player. Uh, he he fills a, a, a trip-shaped hole in my life with his homespun <laughs> wisdom and insane sentences that nobody ever understood. No, he had some real unique uh, slang, which, I mean, I'm somewhat familiar, particularly with, you know, I speak TV hillbilly. Sure. But there was some weird shit in there that was very good. No, there's, I, I uh, like, he'll rattle off, like, well, that's more interest. that's more exciting than a box cat full of uh, hard-boiled Well, there's, there's always snakes. those. And but then like, he'd be like, was any of, th- was any of that English? There was this, there was, I can't remember it specifically, I wish I had it in front of me, the, where he's like, let's start a party and get some women, but the, uh, you could tell that from context clues, but the words he used were like, wait, what? <laughs> I like Data, like, what the fuck did that mean? And Riker's like, Fum. Yeah, you got me. Uh, I sh- I sure couldn't know. Um, I there is nowhere I could find to contradict this. My head cannon, which on this show means it's literal cannon, mm-hmm. not not a cannon, but cannon. You know, a cannon that is a chest. Right, exactly. You get it. Yeah. Um, my my head cannon is that this guy taught data poker, which led to the regular poker games. Oh, I like that a lot. Because they happen in they start happening in season two. <laughs> he took data for everything he owned. Oh, absolutely. Data comes to to his duty shift wearing a barrel. <laughs> Mr. Data, you know you can uh, you know you can replicate another uniform, right? He took my replicator too. <laughs> no, no, it is the principle of the thing, Captain. Yeah. I, well, I I agreed to this. It is a gentleman's agreement. Mm-hmm. There was one and again, I wish I'd written down what the actual line was, but where uh Sonny says something in his accent yeah. and Brent Spiner has this great way of repeating it back the way you said it. Yeah. So he doesn't say the word. He says the word as he heard it from this guy, which made it so much funnier. Yeah. Like, and I wish I could remember what it was now, but it's, you know. Or whatever. Yeah. But he says it 
the way he heard it, not the way, you know, yeah. the way it would look. You know, I, I that just made that makes me laugh. They, Brent Spiner was always good at that, mm-hmm. where data would be literal, but it wouldn't just be literal according to the script. He would study the idiosyncrasies of the person he's supposed to be mimicking. Yeah. And that made it so much funnier. Can I just like, here's something we haven't addressed in a while. Um, Brent Spiner's very good. He is. I mean, his his shtick gets a little tired to me. Yeah, it, it, it will. But right now, like, he's one of the best things on this show. Right. Him and oh, uh, Patrick Stewart. Like, yeah. No, I think I think we even said as much, you know, in season one as like these two. Like, we know the rest of them will get better. Yeah. But these two are about all it's got going for it right mm-hmm. now. And um, what's weird to me is in the opening credits, uh, first of all, um, Denise Crosby's still there. Yeah, I don't think got, I, I don't think they get they can change the the thing till the yeah, end of the season. She got written off ten episodes ago. Yeah, and I wonder if she was still getting was paid. The, I probably because she probably signed for the season. Yeah, there was there was like two different people in the credits that weren't even in the episode. I was like, get your shit together, credits. God. Yeah. No, I don't think we'll be doing that. Credits oh, it, are expensive. I know what it was. It was Lavar Burton got third billing, and I love that guy. He mm-hmm. is definitely he deserves third billing. Yeah, but. Jordy's nothing at this point. Yeah. There is, like, he doesn't do any, he's he's the helmsman and he's got a couple of wisecracks, but yeah. until they put him down in engineering, he doesn't deserve that third bill. Yeah. This is back when Jordy was kind of the comic relief and he was barely the comic relief. Yeah. And we liked that. Yeah. It was a take but we like, didn't remember and we ended up liking. But, but, like, he's not the character that we will, like, we will no. fall in love with later in the series. Like, God, I love that character. Uh, I do. I mean, he's a bit of a weird creep, but, you know, I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I like him, but he's also got some issues. Woo-wee! Yeah. No, yeah, I like, I like ceiling, that. Captain. <laughs> I'm uh, going to have good sex thing. with a hologram. Yeah, and then when the real woman shows up, I'm going to act like it's her fault. Uh-huh. Uh, That's here's weird, the thing. Jordy. Stop being I, so fucking weird all the time. I am not going to go back and, like, suggest that we re- recover that episode, but here's another backpedal I think I need to do. Mm-hmm. When that happened in that episode, I actually defended it and said it was kind of funny. Uh-huh. I don't think that anymore. Oh, good. Now I just think it's gross. Yeah, it is. They wrote it funny, but it shouldn't have been. Yeah. But anyway, um, my good thing, this will actually surprise you. Mm-hmm. This is this is a thing we remembered from seven years ago and remembered being bad. And I'm actually going to give it a little credit. Uh, Mrs. Tommy's mom. Yep. She's just as much of a nothing as I remembered her being. She's just a housewife who only cares about her children and nothing else. But of the three of them, she's the only one that, like, actually reacts in a way that makes sense, like an actual human being would. Yeah, like she misses her kids, you know, like a person would. But not just that. It's it's beyond, It's more than that. It's everyone I've ever known is long dead, yeah. and their children are, like, like, the reality of the situation hits her, mm-hmm. whereas the rich guys just being a rich guy and and Sonny's just trying to figure out a way to replicate some cocaine <laughs> like you know that's what he was trying to do oh yeah oh in this like he got the, he got a the, martini but that was not enough in this in the second scene from a Star Trek episode where a woman gets slapped on the ass yeah I mean that's not great <laughs> no but, it is not great <laughs> but I I honestly I was looking down during that part so I, I didn't catch that oh but, well let me fill you in my friend I mean I think I can gather what happened from what you just said uh-huh was there more to it, or was it just him slapping a woman on the ass? No, it was pretty much just him slapping a woman on the ass. <sighs> it's 1988, you guys. We can no longer hide behind, well, it was the 60s. They, you know. Well, like it was they, the 80s. Everyone was on a lot of cocaine. No. I was alive in 1988. It. People knew better. Uh-huh. I was there. 
I didn't because I was 13, but but grownups were supposed to know better. Yeah. No, but anyway, she's the only one who actually reacts in a way that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, these two guys are just looking to keep doing what they're doing. And she's like, wait, I can't do that because everyone's dead. Yeah. And I don't know. I kind of like that. And the actor playing her wasn't bad. Like, again, there's nothing to her. Sure. She's just. I like, mean, these three people d- are just ciphers that we can. Yeah. Like. But it, but in particular, this is problematic because of the way women characters are often written. Yeah, of course. Which is, she's only defined by her relationships to other people, in this case, her family, and that's mm. it. Yeah. Her, her husband and children are her entire life, and that's stupid. Mm. But that said, the actor's pretty good, mm-hmm. and she really sells the grief of, like, this is hard. And, and this ties into something that isn't technically from this episode. It's from novels, which mm-hmm. don't really count. But still, I like this take on her. In the uh, Temporal Investigation novels. Yes. She works for the DTI. She becomes a counselor for people who have been d- displaced from other time periods. Because that shit happens all the time in Star Trek. Yeah, it does. And it's someone's dedicated job to say, you just came out of cryo-freeze, you came through a black hole. All the weird shit that could happen where you're here from another time period. You know what? I went through this. It's hard for me. Let me help you adapt. Yeah, I like that. And it was a good use of the character. Like, there was already nothing there, so you could make her into anything you want. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was it, it's a cool way to pick up the tiny sliver of pieces you have here and make her into something, and I like that. Yeah. So, uh, what else? Uh, do, do we, do we, I guess, want to talk about the thing I didn't talk about in my summary? Yeah, the episode we should didn't probably think it was mention it at least. Yeah, all right. Well, there's Romulans, I guess. Yeah, um... The whole the reason this is called the neutral zone is that so the Romulans have apparently been gone for fifty years. Star Trek loves this. Uh-huh. Like this is exactly like in the original series where there might be Romulans out there. No one's heard from them in years. Like we're doing that exact plot beat again. Yeah. And but, then okay. like everyone's getting real nervous. The Romulans. Oh, oh, and also there's a whole bunch of outposts that have, got, that have gotten destroyed. This this is exactly. The kind of foreshadowing I was talking about that conspiracy needed. This yeah. is foreshadowing the Borg. Yes. Which won't even happen for another 10 episodes at least. Mm-hmm. And, it, and this in is the next the, season. Like That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This is the season finale. This yeah. won't pick up until next year. And this is exactly what conspiracy needed is just a couple little seeds throughout previous episodes so that it felt earned. And mm-hmm. the Borg, when they, when they actually, uh, when Q sends them across the galaxy and they find a planet that's been scooped out, they're like, just like those planets on the Romulan neutral zone. Yeah. Like, it's nice. It's a nice, subtle... But this is a good way to bring the Federation and the Romulans back together because there's something bigger than them threatening them both. Yeah. Unfortunately... Yeah. Uh, and this is my bad thing. Uh, we spend about six seconds with them. Mm-hmm. Like, we're back, says Gold Romulan. Oh, yeah. It's it's Mark Alimo, the guy who played Gold Dukat, is one of the Romulans. Uh, the better of the two. Yep. The other one just sort of shouts into the camera. He like I was watching and he's fr- he's a little distance away and he's wearing completely different makeup. So mm-hmm. it took me a second and then he starts rolling out those Gul Dukat sentences and you're like, "Oh, it's fucking Gul Dukat." Yep. All he's missing is calling somebody major in a threatening manner. <laughs> no, but he, you know, he just said captain in the same captain. In the same tone. Yeah. But the other dude just sort of leaned into the camera and shouted and like, "No, come on, man. Romulans are related to Vulcans. They don't usually shout." Mhm. The, the thing about them is that they are sort of cold and evil, yeah. not, you know, not like Klingons who are angry and evil. They're mm-hmm. they're different. But this guy just kept shouting. He's like, come on, man. Romulan sh- it up. Get your shit together. Yeah. But, you know, then they fly away to appear in 17 more episodes over three series, and then their planet explodes. Did you look that up? Was it 17 episodes? I don't think it's 17. It's not That a very sounds about number. right. Yeah. 
out of hundreds over TNG, DS9, and Voyager. Yeah, but I'd say about 17 to 20 episodes. Yeah, not many. Yeah. And, you know, this episode was clearly a mission statement for these are going to be our big bad guys in this show. Again, he literally says, we're back. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, it's a huge fucking deal. Yeah. And uh, to to TNG's credit, uh, we... As I recall, they were sort of looming in the periphery in season two. Like, there's a bunch of fake outs. We got a lot of them in season three. Yeah. That's when Tomalak shows up. That's when we had, like, um, uh, Centurion Bakra and, like, yeah. all those great... Like, there are some great Romulan episodes early on, but by the second half, they're just... Like, after they do the Sela thing, it's like, oh, ugh, never yeah. mind. And then we just get that uh, that one Counselor Troy episode that's real good. Right. But, but I mean, that's, as, that's as it. far as... As far and that's her being put on another ship. That's not yeah like the looming threat of Romulans. That's you know that's happening somewhere else. No, I mean we've said this a thousand fucking times. Like these are supposed to be like some of the most the best bad guys in the show, and yeah. they don't do anything. No, they don't. There again, there are some good ones in the middle of next gen, mm-hmm. and then once they do the plot where fucking Tasha Yar's Romulan child, ugh, uh, t- tries to take over the Klingons. Ugh. Oh God, that's a real fucking turd. And it went forever because it was in the redemption two-parter, and then yep. they ruined Spock's appearance by making that all about that. Yep. And by that point, it's just like the the writers probably looked at it and said, "Well, we kind of ruined the Romulans. Let's do something else." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't blame. Let's them. make the Cardassians instead. Yep. That really is the Cardassians. They're just the Romulans version two, and they're done better. Yeah, let's make them more alien and even more like Bureaucr- creepy we'll, and Orwellian. We'll pump up the bureaucraticness and the nineteen eighty fourness yeah. and shit. Yeah. No, I love all that. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's like, I don't know, part of me likes that there's this dumb people from the 20th century plot mixed with this big important thing. Like, I feel like that could have been something. Mm-hmm. But I, and again, what I said in my summary is true. The writer strike intervened like before they could even make a second draft. Sure. So I feel like, I, I don't know, given the available evidence, I don't know that they would have made it better. But, uh... but it's possible they could have. Yeah. There's there's some good ideas here, and I like the idea. Uh, Star Trek's pulled this off well sometimes, like where you have a mundane adventure that's suddenly interrupted by something big and heavy. Yeah, I kind of like that. I can, oh, I know what kind of episode this is. It's dumb and light, and these 20th century guys are going to be fish out of water. Oh shit, the Romulans are back. Yeah, but that's that's not really how it plays. No, out. it's um no. Yeah, uh, and speaking of the Romulans, my bad thing. Yes. There's a point where Picard asks Troy to write a book report on the Romulans. (laughs) This is real shitty. Like, she gives him a paragraph that the computer could have given him. Mm -hmm. It's it's just super demeaning to her. It's not her job. It's she's not his personal assistant. Like I like her as an advisor. Yeah. In addition to being the counselor, I like not just because of her powers, but just again because she's she's good in a background capacity. She's and she's got a background in psychology. Yeah. Sometimes having a psychologist at your side who can also read people's feelings is very useful. Mm-hmm. And Picard trusts her. She's intelligent. She's, you know, all that. But she's like, find out everything you can on the Romulans. Like, that's not her job. Like, that's a yeoman's job. Like, that's that's one of those beskirted guys running around. Go go, write me a book report on the Romulans. Yeah. The Romulans were first encountered in 2376. Yeah. But- yeah, exactly. Major the computer should be reading that information to you. In but... my report, I hope to analyze what the Romulans are doing and where. In conclusion and uh-huh. in summary. Yeah. No, no. no I said five pages single spaced. <laughs> it just it was a real shitty use of her. And 
While I'm talking about her, why did it take them until the middle of the episode to work out that she should be the one counseling the poor, traumatized, recently dead people from the past? Oh, that bugged the shit out of me. Like, I know there's a lot going on, and Picard is, yeah. I don't give a fuck about people. Yeah, Data, what did you bring now? What what pets did you bring home this time? This is very inconvenient for my adventures. But, yeah. like, stick someone in the room with them. Like, uh, oh, like, They did. Oh, they're about to wake up. Let's send Worf down. Yeah, right? Get Mr. Worf down. I want the scariest, most boogans person on the crew to wake them it up. Was, it was exactly that Futurama episode where uh, Fry's working in the cryo place, and he puts on a monster mask. I, I think Bender does it first. Uh-huh. Puts on a monster mask so that when people pop out of the cryo tubes, they think that the future's crawling with monsters. <laughs> it's exactly that joke, only played straight. Mr. Wolf, can you bring your big scary knife that I know you have down and really give him a give him a fright? Bring the scariest thing you have. Why did you bring a barrel? <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Alexander is not a part of the cast yet. Sorry, I could not carry the concept of fatherhood. <laughs> it's too abstract. Ah, suck it, Wolf. <laughs> I mean, now's your chance. Yeah, <laughs> we may never pass through this way again. He's, so he's so stupid in this in these episodes too. <laughs> oh, it's not his fault. Oh, he's written terribly. Like there's a there's a point. I think it was the previous one where they're talking about going to the beach, and he's like, "Going to the beach is too much like bathing." I'm a Klingon. I hate things that are nice, and I love things that are mean. Yeah, he's like Skeletor in that He-Man Christmas special. Yep, I like uh. getting in fights. Yeah. This is, this is the up, same man. season where he meets the fish people, and he's like, what a handsome race. Yeah. I like ugly things, and also I don't bathe, so I probably smell bad. I, I like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you Headbanger. <laughs> Wait, I think that's actually a He-Man villain. Shit. That probably is. I was hoping you'd slip into your Skeletor. I threw it right at you, and uh -huh. then you didn't take it. Like, I, don't oh, get no. to do, I don't get to do Skeletor too much anymore, and I love it. Uh Oh, you could uh, look anytime you want, man. I think Headbanger was the two-headed guy. He could bang his heads together. No, that was um, that was too. Oh, it was a two pun. Too bad. Too T -W -O bad. T W O bad. Yeah. All right. Headbanger, it is. Go fight Ram Man. He's a Ram Man. <laughs> but not Fisto. I'm turning into the monarch. I mean, they're basically the same voice. <laughs> What is this yeah. bullshit? I just want to hang out with my best friend. Trapjaw? Yes, Trapjaw. I love him. Trapjaw, open right. up this beer can for me. What a great friend you are to have. I don't remember what that guy sounded like, but there were only three voice actors on that show, so I'm he gonna, probably sounded like this. I'm going to run fishing wire through the loop on your head. <laughs> then I can uh, slide you down from the fireplace. Did Snake Mountain have a fireplace? <laughs> That was a thing I personally did when I was playing with He-Man toys. Trapped uh, had a, like a, literally a tiny loop on his head that you could like you could put fishing wire through and then slide him around. Weird. Uh-huh. Mm. Well, that has nothing to do with the Star Trek episode. No, but it was a fun distraction. No, oh, fair enough. Honestly, I don't have much more anyway. Yeah, I'm this is about it. Kind of tapped out on this one. It's uh, I like I said, I I latched on to the ridiculous rich caricature guy. Yeah. That Uncle doesn't make bags. it a good episode, but it made me enjoy it more. Yeah. You know, we do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. No, and it was it was fun seeing the TNG guys. I like these guys. I would have liked to have seen yeah. them in a better episode, but you know. Yeah, no. This is the to, the thing is these aren't the TNG guys. No. Like, yeah, yeah, they are, but it's the same as like when you see Spock in the cage. Mm -hmm. That's Spock, but it's not Spock. Yeah. 
There's That's like, Leonard Nimoy wearing pointy ears, but he's not there yet. Yeah. These guys will get where they're going eventually, most of them. I mean, some of yeah, them you, won't. No. Bever is, I mean, I have in my notes repeatedly, wow, Gates McFadden's bad. Yeah, Bever never gets better. No. She has a couple of scenes where she gets to be a badass and she fails every time. Yeah. Ugh. Just a disappointment. Uh, What else? Anything? Um, No. Oh, uh, there's a point where the rich guy is saying, well, this isn't as good as the QE2, which, you know, is a famous cruise ship. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, they're like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Come on. Everyone in Starfleet knows ancient Earth nautical stuff. Everyone. That's the only thing you guys know from that period. And that's a British ship. Come Mm -hmm. on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's the QE2? It's the finest ship anyone's ever sailed, Captain. A a boat on the water? That's not anything we know about. No. Raise your hand who's heard of boats. Yeah, that's what nope. I thought. Yeah. Nobody. Look, look, I have this one speech that I give every single person when I'm trying to calm them down. Mm-hmm. I say, remember when you were a child and you built ships in a bottle? Because it applies to everyone. And everyone has ever built ships in bottles. Mm-hmm. For some reason. <laughs> it's, a, it's a requirement for joining Starfleet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. All right. Oh, uh, so my quote yes. is um, another one of those great legit moments uh, of, of Brent Spiner just playing it so literal. Um, this is when they say the Romulans are coming, and uh, and he says this. Commander Data, we are approaching the neutral zone. Report to the bridge. I must leave now. Uh, what's this neutral zone? It is a buffer between the Romulan Empire and the Federation. Why does that make me nervous? I do not know. It's just, the, the, Sonny says, why does that make me nervous? And he goes, I do not know. It's not like, because you don't know what a Romulan is. He's yeah. like, I I literally do not know why that makes you nervous. I do not have that information. It's I don't, Something about his delivery in times like that always makes me laugh. I like his, uh, well, we won't be inviting them to, my, to our party. Mm-hmm. Also... I remember even last time when, you know, when you phoned in your appearance. Yes. Like, um, you talked about that guy a lot. Yeah, apparently. You I liked that type. guy back then. You like it. But but all that said, he wasn't in it that much. No, he wasn't. But he stood out. Because you talked about him so much, I thought, oh, half the episode focuses on Data's dumb adventures with this guy. And mm-hmm. he gets like two scenes. Yeah. No, apparently I have a type and it's Southern morons. I, but you hated the Kazon. Yeah. I'm complicated. No, not really. How dare the you? Kazon sucked. <laughs> also, Bones uh, is not a Southern moron. He is a Southern gentleman. Yes, he is. So he breaks the, the pattern there. Yeah. But so two Southern just... morons and one Southern gentleman. I feel like there's probably more Southern guys in Star Trek if we really thought about it. I mean, there should be. Like, nah, I don't know. We don't need more white guys from America. We need more other things. Yeah, we do. I think I think we're covered mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Oh, that reminds me. The... Um, there was a woman of color who was one of the captains in uh, Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. That jumped out at me just because I don't remember a lot of female captains in Next Gen at all. No. I know there were some, but I couldn't name yeah. three. So yeah. well, it was just a nice thing to see. Yeah. And in early days, I think they're probably... Like, I think the first canonical female captain was in Star Trek Four. Yeah, it sounds about right. Which, at the beginning, where the whale probe's shutting everything down, and she's on screen for about three seconds, mm-hmm. sending a distress call. Yeah. And so, I mean, this still would have been around then. Like, well, you know. I mean, good. it took till 1996 to have one lead a series, so. Yeah. And, you know, 
then it took another 20 years to focus the series around another one. So. Uh-huh, yeah. Not great. No, not the best track record, but, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? All right. Well, I think that's all for this time. Yeah. Uh, next time, what are we doing next time? That's an excellent question. Okay, I'm, I'm, now... learning is, I'm learning with the audience. Oh, we went over the list a while ago. You just yeah, but don't I don't remember order. it. I don't remember the things that happened to me. I, okay, that's fair. There's also a, a list that you have access to online. But, oh, that's handy. <laughs> You've had access to it from day one. It's a Google Doc. <laughs> Welp. You don't need it. It doesn't matter. That's it for me. I just tell you where to be, and that's been working fine. I mean, that's been the entire basis of our working relationship for about I try not years to abuse now. that power, and you do what you're told. Uh-huh. That seems to work fine. Yeah. Uh, so we are now through uh, the episodes that we felt needed to be revisited for, uh, like, quality reasons, which were, you know, The Man Trap and Charlie X and this one. Yep. Because, you know, Matt should be here for all of them, and now he has been. Yep. Uh, or, you know, that, that one, the one-off with Gav last mm. week. Uh, the last two pairs of episodes, we're doing this five times, and the last two pairs of episodes are episodes that we feel we were less than enlightened about. These are our apology episodes. These are, we could have handled this better. Yeah. And honestly, if we sat and thought about it, we could easily come up with 10 or 20 more pairs of oh, those. Oh, yeah, but these are, the, there's definitely more than these. These are just the ones that we remember and that keep us up at night. Yeah. This one in particular for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another pair of DS9 episodes. Yep. Uh, and uh, it contains the episode Rejoined, which is the episode where um, Dax's former host comes back uh, in a woman's body. Mm-hmm. And uh, they fall in love again, and we realize they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, now, to our credit, I don't have a specific memory of us being problematic about any of that. We've always been pretty good about there's two women kissing. Good. Yeah. Bring it on. And not in a gross way, just in a like representation way. I mean, we it's hope. not about that. This this is about me specifically having weird, misinformed ideas about why Terry Farrell left the show, mm-hmm. and about why Terry Farrell didn't like doing this episode, which was not true. Mm-hmm. I said some fucked up things that I'm really sorry about. Yeah, that I I I know I didn't make it up. I know I read it somewhere and believed it, and that was wrong of me. Mm-hmm. But. I was on uh, AOL chat rooms a lot back in the day, and I must have read something legit or semi-legit yeah. that said, Terry Farrell's kind of a homophobe, and she didn't want to kiss a woman. And I believed that, and it stuck in my head, but I've not been able to find a single thing to back this up. I feel real shitty about it, so I feel like we should give this one another go. Yeah. So, uh, next week, uh, uh, no guests, just me and Matt revisiting uh, episode 186 of the show, uh, Indiscretion and Rejoined from DS9. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will we will discuss that and we will be better about it. Uh, there's there's actually some some deep dive Terry Farrell stuff I think we should really talk about that only came to light a couple of years ago that that definitely merits a bit of discussion because she was she was not treated well. Yeah, no, definitely not. And we've talked about it a little bit, but I think that would be a good time to really talk about just just how badly Rick Berman treated her. Yeah. So we'll do that, but we'll you know we'll also make our dumb goofy, goofy jokes. Yeah. So. Look forward to that. And, uh, you know, more DS9, so how bad could it be? Yeah, right. So that's next week, and until then... Uh, yeah, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.